Section one of Autobiography of Benvenuto Cellini, Part two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pam Moscato. Autobiography of Benvenuto Cellini, Part two. Section one. Chapters one through four. Chapter one. I remained for some time in the Cardinal of Ferrara's palace, very well regarded in general by everybody, and much more visited even than I had previously been. Everybody was astonished that I should have come out of prison, and have been able to live through such indescribable afflictions, and while I was recovering my breath, and endeavoring to resume the habit of my art, I had great pleasure in rewriting the Capitolo. Afterwards, with a view to re-establishing my strength, I determined to take a journey of a few days for change of air. My good friend the Cardinal gave me permission, and lent me horses, and I had two young Romans for my companions, one of them a craftsman in my trade, the other only a comrade, in our journey. We left Rome, and took the road to Tagliacozzo, intending to visit my pupil Ascanio, who lived there. On our arrival I found the lad, together with his father, brothers, sisters, and stepmother. I was entertained by them two days with indescribable kindness. Then I turned my face towards Rome, taking Escanio with me. On the road we fell to conversing about our art, which made me die of impatience to get back and recommence my labors. Having reached Rome, I got myself at once in readiness to work, and was fortunate enough to find again a silver basin which I had begun for the cardinal before I was imprisoned. Together with this basin I had begun a very beautiful little jug, but this had been stolen, with a great quantity of other valuable articles. I set Pagallo, whom I have previously mentioned, to work upon the basin. At the same time I recommenced the jug, which was designed with round figures and bas-reliefs. The basin was executed in a similar style, with round figures and fishes in bas-relief. The whole had such richness and good keeping that every one who beheld it expressed astonishment at the force of the design and the beauty of invention, and also at the delicacy with which these young men worked. The cardinal came at least twice a day to see me, bringing with him Monsieur Luigi Alamani and Monsieur Gabriel Sassano, and here we used to pass an hour or two pleasantly together. Notwithstanding, I had very much to do he kept giving me fresh commissions. Among others, I had to make his pontifical seal of the size of the hand of a boy of twelve. On it I engraved in intaglio two little histories, the one of San Giovanni preaching in the wilderness, the other of Sant Ambrogio expelling the Arians on horseback with a lash in his hand. The fire and correctness of design of this piece and its nicety of workmanship made every one say that I had surpassed the great Lutazio, who ranked alone in this branch of the profession. The cardinal was so proud of it that he used to compare it complacently with the other seals of the Roman cardinals, which were nearly all from the hand of Lutazio. Chapter 2 In addition to these things, the cardinal ordered me to make the model for a salt cellar, but he said he should like me to leave the beaten track pursued by such as fabricated these things. Monsieur Luigi, 
a propos of this salt cellar made an eloquent description of his own idea monsieur gabriello sassano also spoke exceedingly well to the same purpose the cardinal who was a very kindly listener showed extreme satisfaction with the designs which these two able men of letters had described in words then he turned to me and said my benvenuto the design of monsieur luigi and that of monsieur gabriello please me both so well that i know not how to choose between them therefore i leave the choice to you who will have to execute the work i replied as follows it is apparent my lords of what vast consequence are the sons of kings and emperors and what a marvellous brightness of divinity appears in them nevertheless if you ask some poor humble shepherd which he loves best those royal children or his sons he will certainly tell you that he loves his own sons best now i too have a great affection for the children which i bring forth from my art consequently the first which i will show you most reverend monsignor my good master shall be of my own making and invention there are many things beautiful enough in words which do not match together well when executed by an artist then i turned to the two scholars and said you have spoken i will do upon this monsieur luigi alamani smiled and added a great many witty things with the greatest charm of manner in my praise they became him well for he was handsome of face and figure and had a gentle voice monsieur gabriello sassano was quite the opposite as ugly and displeasing as the other was agreeable accordingly he spoke as he looked monsieur luigi had suggested that i should fashion a venus with cupid surrounded by a crowd of pretty emblems all in proper keeping with the subject monsieur gabriello proposed that i should model an amphitrite the wife of neptune together with those tritons of the sea and many such like fancies good enough to describe in words but not to execute in metal i first laid down an oval framework considerably longer than half a cubit almost two-thirds in fact and upon this ground wishing to suggest the interminglement of land and ocean i modelled two figures considerably taller than a palm in height which were seated with their legs interlaced suggesting those lengthier branches of the sea which run up into the continents the sea was a man and in his hand i placed a ship elaborately wrought in all its details and well adapted to hold a quantity of salt beneath him i grouped the four sea-horses and in his right hand he held his trident the earth i fashioned like a woman with all the beauty of form the grace and charm of which my art was capable she had a richly decorated temple firmly based upon the ground at one side and here her hand rested this i intended to receive the pepper in her other hand i put a cornucopia overflowing with all the natural treasures i could think of below this goddess in the part which represented earth i collected the fairest animals that haunt our globe in the quarter presided over by the deity of ocean i fashioned such choice kinds of fishes and shells as could be properly displayed in that small space what remained of the oval i filled in with luxuriant ornamentation then i waited for the cardinal and when he came attended by the two accomplished gentlemen i produced the model i had made in wax on beholding it 
Monsieur Gabriello Sassano was the first to lift his voice up and to cry, This is a piece which it will take the lives of ten men to finish. Do not expect, most reverend Monsignor, if you order it, to get it in your lifetime. Benvenuto, it seems, has chosen to display his children in a vision, but not to give them to the touch, as we did when we spoke of things that could be carried out, while he has shown a thing beyond the bounds of possibility. Monsieur Alemanni took my side, but the cardinal said he did not care to undertake so important an affair. Then I turned to them and said, Most reverend Monsignor, and you, gentlemen, fulfilled with learning, I tell you that I hope to complete this piece for whosoever shall be destined to possess it, and each one of you shall live to see it executed a hundred times more richly than the model. Indeed, I hope that time will be left me to produce far greater things than this. The cardinal replied in heat, Unless you make it for the king, to whom I mean to take you, I do not think that you will make it for another man alive. Then he showed me letters in which the king, under one heading, bade him return as soon as possible, bringing Benvenuta with him. At this I raised my hands to heaven, exclaiming, Oh, when will that moment come, and quickly? The cardinal bade me put myself in readiness, and arrange the affairs I had in Rome. He gave me ten days for these preparations. CHAPTER Three. When the time came to travel, he gave me a fine and excellent horse. The animal is called Tornan, because it was a gift from the Cardinal Tornan. My apprentices, Pagolo and Escanio, were also furnished with good mounts. The Cardinal divided his household, which was very numerous, into two sections. The first, and the more distinguished, he took with him, following the route of Romagna, with the object of visiting Madonna del Loreto, and then making for Ferrara his own home. The other section he sent upon the road to Florence. This was the larger train. It counted a great multitude, including a flower of his horse. He told me that if I wished to make the journey without peril, I had better go with him, otherwise I ran some risk of my life. I expressed my inclination to his most reverend lordship to travel in his suite. But having done so, since the will of heaven must be accomplished, it pleased God to remind me of my poor sister, who had suffered greatly from the news of my misfortunes. I also remembered my cousins, who were nuns in Viterbo, the one abbess and the other Camerlinga, and who had therefore that rich convent under their control. They too had endured sore tribulation for my sake, and to their fervent prayers I firmly believed that I owe the grace of my deliverance by God. Accordingly, when these things came into my mind, I decided for the route to Florence. I might have traveled free of expense with the cardinal or with that other train of his, but I chose to take my own way by myself. Eventually I joined company with a very famous clockmaker called Maestro Cherubino, my esteemed friend. Thrown together by accident, we performed the journey with much enjoyment on both sides. I had left Rome on Monday in Passion Week, together with Pagolo and Escanio. At Mont Rossi, we joined the company which I have mentioned. Since I had expressed my intention of following the cardinal, I did not anticipate that any of my enemies would be upon the watch to harm me. Yet I ran a narrow risk of coming to grief at Mont Rossi, for a band of men had been sent forward, well armed, to do me mischief there. 
it was so ordained by god that while we were at dinner these fellows on the news that i was not travelling in the cardinal's suite made preparation to attack me just at that moment the cardinal's retinue arrived and i was glad enough to travel with their escort safely to viterbo from that place onward i had no apprehension of danger especially as i made a point of travelling a few miles in front and the best men of the retinue kept a good watch over me i arrived by god's grace safe and sound at viterbo where my cousins and all the convent received me with the greatest kindness chapter four i bought a new pair of stirrups although i still hoped to regain my good pad by persuasion and since i was very well mounted and well armed with shirt and sleeves of mail and carried an excellent arquebus upon my saddle-bow i was not afraid of the brutality and violence which that mad beast was said to be possessed of i had also accustomed my young men to carry shirts of mail and had great confidence in the roman who while we were in rome together had never left it off so far as i could see ascanio too although he was but a stripling was in the habit of wearing one besides as it was good friday i imagined that the madnesses of madmen might be giving themselves a holiday when we came to the camolia gate i at once recognized the postmaster by the indications given me for he was blind of the left eye riding up to him then and leaving my young men and companions at a little distance i courteously addressed him master of the post if i assure you that i did not override your horse why are you unwilling to give me back my pad and stirrups the reply he made was precisely as mad and brutal as had been foretold me this roused me to exclaim how then are you not a christian or do you not want upon good friday to force us both into a scandal he answered that good friday or the devil's friday was all the same to him and that if i did not take myself away he would fell me to the ground with a spontoon which he had taken up me and the arquebus i had my hand on upon hearing these truculent words an old gentleman of siena joined us he was dressed like a citizen and was returning from the religious functions proper to that day it seemed that he had gathered the sense of my arguments before he came up to where we stood and this impelled him to rebuke the postmaster with warmth taking my side and reprimanding the man's two sons for not doing their duty to passing strangers so that their manners were an offence to god and a disgrace to the city of siena the two young fellows wagged their heads without saying a word and withdrew inside the house their father stung to fury by the scolding of that respectable gentleman poured out a volley of abusive blasphemies and levelled his spontoon swearing he would murder me when i saw him determined to do some act of bestial violence i pointed the muzzle of my arquebus with the object only of keeping him at a distance doubly enraged by this he flung himself upon me though i had prepared the arquebus for my defence i had not yet levelled it exactly at him indeed it was pointed too high it went off of itself and the ball striking the arch of the door and glancing backwards wounded him in the throat so that he fell dead to earth upon this the two young men came running out one cut up a partisan from the rack which stood there the other seized the spontoon of his father springing upon my followers the one who had the spontoon smote pagolo the roman first above the left nipple the other attacked a milanese who was in our company and had the ways and manners of a perfect fool this man screamed out that he had nothing in the world to do with me 
and parried the point of the partisan with the little stick he held. But this availed him not. In spite of his words and fencing, he received a flesh wound in the mouth. Monsieur Cherubino wore the habit of a priest, for though he was a clockmaker by trade, he held benefices of some value from the Pope. Asciano, who was well armed, stood his ground without trying to escape, as the Milanese had done, so these two came off unhurt. I had set spurs to my horse, and while he was galloping had charged and got my arquebus in readiness again, but now I turned back, burning with fury, and meaning to play my part this time in earnest. I thought that my young men had been killed, and was resolved to die with them. The horse had not gone many paces when I met them riding toward me, and asked if they were hurt. Asciano answered that Pagallo was wounded to the death. Then I said, O oh, Pagallo, my son, did the spontoon then pierce through your armor? No, he replied, for I put my shirt of mail in the valet this morning. So then, I suppose, one wears chain mail in Rome to swagger before ladies, but where there is danger and one wants it, one keeps it locked up in a portmanteau? You deserve what you have got, and you are now the cause of sending me back to die here too. While I was uttering these words, I kept riding briskly onward, but both the young men implored me for the love of God to save myself and them, and not to rush on certain death. Just then I met Monsieur Cherubino and the wounded Milanese. The former cried out that no one was badly wounded. The blow given to Bagallo had only grazed the skin, but the old postmaster was stretched out dead. His sons with other folk were getting ready for attack, and we must almost certainly be cut to pieces. Accordingly, Benvenuto, since fortune has saved us from this first tempest, do not tempt her again, for things may not go so favorably a second time. To this I replied, If you are satisfied to have it thus, so also am I. And turning to Pagallo and Ascanio, I said, Strike spurs to your horses, and let us gallop to Stagia without stopping. There we shall be in safety. The wounded Milanese groaned out, A pox upon our peccadilloes, the sole cause of my misfortune was that I sinned by taking a little broth this morning, having nothing else to break my fast with. In spite of the great peril we were in, we could not help laughing a little at the donkey and his silly speeches. Then we set spurs to our horses and left Monsieur Cherubino and the Milanese to follow at their leisure. End of section one. Recording by Pam Moscato.